Okay, let's let's just bow our heads in prayer this morning. Dear Father, we thank you that as we gather here this morning, we know that you are with us. We pray for your Holy Spirit this morning to just to come with us in a real way through this service and to speak to each of us this morning to reveal something about you so that we may come to know you and to love you better. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you bring so much peace and joy into our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you know each of us in a very real way. You know each of us in a way that you love us deeply, you understand us deeply, you know all our problems, you know all of our wrong ways. So help to change us, Lord. Help us to face our problems, transform us, Lord, to be more like Jesus. And this morning we just pray for our world, we look at our broken world with all of its problems, and we pray that you will bring forward leaders who listen to you and look to do your will. We pray that you will bring an end to all these conflicts that we see. We pray that countries will stop being hostile and instead seek peace for all the people who live in those countries and for their well-being. And we pray for our church. We thank you, Lord, so much for the way that you guide us and look after us year after year. And we pray that we may be a group of people who look to please you in what we do and the way that we worship you. Help this be a place where we care about one another, where we show the love of Jesus and where we grow in our knowledge and love for you. And we pray for our families. We pray particularly for those who don't yet know you as Lord and Saviour. Help us, Lord, to bring them to you, to find the right words to say to them. Pray that you'll intervene in their lives, Lord, in a way that does bring them close to you again. And bless us all this morning, Lord, I pray. Open our hearts to your word as we listen to what's said this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, about, not sure how long ago it was now, about six, seven weeks ago, I got back from my visit to Congo. I just wanted to thank you all for your prayers uh, and your good wishes whilst I was out there because it was a really blessed time. And uh, next Sunday evening I'll be doing a presentation, showing you some of my holiday snaps, <laughs> call it holiday, <laughs> showing you what I got up to while I was out there, because it was a really packed time. But I've just got a, a few photos just to show you now, just to give you a flavour of it. Bob, can you just flick on one, please? So um, <clears throat> on my very first day there, when, when, when we got there, we went to visit the school, so you've heard Ian talk about Kimberleo and the work of, of Kimberleo, and... Um, the school that they've built there is absolutely amazing. It's a it's a wonderful place. I mean, if it was in this country, you know, we'd say this this school's really well designed and laid out. And the kids at this particular day, they're all dressed up um, because it was like the last day of term and they're having an awards ceremony. So they had the... We, we were lucky enough that we got to present them with some awards. But you can see... All, all the children, 270 children go to that school whose lives have been completely changed by the work of the project. And just flick on another one, Bob. And then the day after, it's a bit more reality check um, because instead of meeting the children who go to school, we met around about 100 children who were still living on the streets. 
One of them there looks like a bit of a gangster with his baseball bat, but that's that's a rounders bat that we took out to them as a <laughs> so they had something to play with. <laughs> looks a bit intimidating. But again, it just melted your hearts to see to see these children and, and to get to speak to them. Um, next one, Bob. Yeah, like I say, we we made the children were the highlight. I mean, the work of the project was amazing, and the people who ran it. But just meeting the kids, they were so smiley, so welcoming, <laughs> just just so lovely. Because um, I've got lots of stories to tell you for anyone who can make it next Sunday evening. And the last one, Bob. So it's just a little taste. Of this 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 little fella, <laughs> he was one of the kids who's still living on the streets and. Um, as I was walking around, he, he really he latched on to me, and he was sort of holding my hand everywhere I went, and everything he was really loving. He kept talking to me, and obviously couldn't understand the word he was saying. He was speaking in Swahili, but he was going like this, and he was pointing up. So I went to one of the people who were working on the project and said, "Can you just tell me what he's saying to me? Can you interpret it for me?" And he just laughed, and he said, "He says he wants to go on a plane and fly with you back to England." Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And it, like I say, just just breaks your heart. But so we we need to just continue praying for them uh, and, and to support the work of of being in the project in Kimberley. Like I say, there's lots of stories I've got to tell next Sunday for anyone who can make up. What time are we doing that on? Quarter to seven for refreshments. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock start. Yeah, get there a bit earlier if you can. If you can make that. Okay, <coughs> brilliant. Um, so now we're just going to sing again. Um, David, you can just lead us in that, please. So I'm going to tell you brief stories about three famous people, and I want you to tell me what common character trait do they have. So what what, what common character thing do they they, um, show through their lives? So starting with Nelson Mandela. So obviously we all know Nelson, and... uh, um, he, he fought apartheid very, very strongly, and he fought it to such an extent that he spent 27 years in prison, suffered for what he fought for and what he believed in, but came out to eventually get rid of apartheid and to become the ruler of South Africa. Thomas Edison, inventor of the light bulb, but before he invented it, he failed and it, with 10,000, it's reckoned, about 10,000 attempts to invent the light bulb and he kept failing and failing and as a child his teachers told his parents that he would never succeed in life due to having a slow brain (laughs) but he fought through it and uh, like I say became this famous inventor who we still remember today and then thirdly Beethoven Um, so at an early age his musical skills were less than great apparently a similar thing, teachers quite damaging, aren't they? But the teachers said that he would never make it and would never have a musical career. And then to make things worse, when he did get start to become successful, he then gradually went deaf, and he was almost completely deaf when he wrote some of his greater works. But he carried on through all of that those trials and losing his hearing to actually write some of his greatest works. So we've got three people there. Is there anything you can think of in terms of their character? A character trait that they displayed. Determination. Determination. Yeah. Never give up. Sorry. Never give up. Never give up. Absolutely. Perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance. A vision. Yeah, absolutely. Had a clear vision. Overcomer. Overcomer. Yeah. The word I'm looking for <laughs> is very similar to all of them. They're all spot on. But. 
Resilience. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You cheated. <laughs> so they're all very resilient people. They all suffered setbacks, but they all came through. Uh, it would have been very easy for them all to have given up when they, when they were, had setbacks early in their lives, when people discouraged them, when they failed, whatever it would be. And if Nelson Mandela had given up, he could have given up easily when he was in the early years in prison and said, you know, I, I can get released quicker if I give up this fight. But he steady fought on. And if he had given up, you know, we might still have apartheid in South Africa or a lot more racism uh, and racist regimes around the world. We might not have had light bulbs. I think we probably would. I think we'd have got there <laughs> sooner or later. Uh, and we wouldn't have had the great music of Beethoven. He says, like, somebody follows classical music, which I don't, but, um, you know, for those who, who love classical music. So resilience has been a, a really important part of their lives, um, but all of us need to show resilience in our lives because we all have ups and downs, we all have setbacks. But I want to talk to you today about somebody in the Bible who had more ups and downs than than a roller coaster, I think. You know, his life was incredibly high and then incredibly low, but he, he, he kept on going through it all because God was with him. So I want to talk to you this morning about the life of Joseph. Um, so like I say, in our lives, you know, we can think things are going well at times, but then things can just come out of the blue and just hit us for six, can't it? You know, and um, we're brought back down to earth with a big bump. Um, and it can be different things for different people. So it can be health issues, which come along very unexpectedly. It can be relationship issues within families, within friends, which really, again, just require a lot of resilience to get through. It can be financial issues. Um, it can be issues around around failure, when we try something and we fail and we feel like we're not good enough, like Edison, you know, being told that he has slow brain and uh, failing 10,000 times. But sometimes we need to show resilience uh, to, to get through. And Joseph in his life had all sorts of issues that he had to grapple with. Lots of ups and downs. So when he was young, obviously, he was his dad's favourite, which was really great. But because he was his dad's favourite, the golden boy, his brothers all hated his guts, which was not great. His dad gave him a coat of many colours, which, again, was very good. But his brothers ripped that coat off him, covered it in blood, made it look like he died put him in a pit and sold him off as a slave in a foreign land, which is obviously very bad. But then he bounces back again. He gets a top job working for Potiphar in Egypt and he's put in charge of everything. Um, plus we're told he's a really good looking guy. So again, life, <laughs> life probably feels good. But then Potiphar's wife takes a fancy to him. Um, Joseph rejects her advances and so she frames him and he's put in prison. Again, very bad. But in prison, he um, interprets a, a dream for Pharaoh's cupbearer, or I'm going to call him his butler, um, which predicts he'll get paroled. And he arranges for when the butler gets out that the butler will do him a favour and get him released from prison. So again, feels like things are good. But then the butler forgets and he stays in prison for a couple of years and has to suffer and go through that, which again is not great. But you can see this pattern in his life. Things are good, things are bad. But when he's in that bad place, as I'll go through the story in a bit more detail, we're told that the Lord was with Joseph. And he comes back um, and he shows amazing resilience. Um, 
So when we face trials of our own, there's, there's three things I want us to look at this morning in terms of things that, things that we need to, to do or to display to actually be resilient people. Let's just look at those three things now. <clears throat> so the first one is resilient people exercise control. Um, and by that, what I mean is that um, often when there's been studies done where they've looked at things like prisoners of war and people are in hostage situations and they say that the hardest thing that they find is that they've lost command of their existence. They feel like their life's been taken away from them, that they've lost their soul, they've lost their spirit. But the people who get through those situations are people who accept that, that yes, they have lost some control, they've lost their freedom, um, but that loss of command of existence is even greater than suffering things like torturing or whatever. Um, so we need to look at what we can still control. And often prisoners of war who, who got through situations like that were the ones who were constantly plotting to escape because they didn't accept their fate. They'd find a way of communicating with each other. They'd find little clever signals in the way that they walked and the, and the pattern of the footsteps that they could communicate even when they were in isolation and things like that. So it's trying not to lose complete um, control of our destiny, even though sometimes the trials that we're going through can feel like they're doing that to us. They feel like they've robbed such a big part of our life that we can't think about any, anything else or anybody else. And, and we need to just take control of the things that we can and try and do well with them. And we see this with Joseph. So when he went from being his dad's favourite to his brothers betraying him in this awful way so that he becomes a slave and he's taken off to Egypt, he could have felt like he'd lost everything. He'd lost complete control of his life. Uh, but like I said, the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. Uh, and the story, that doesn't say that because the Lord was with Joseph that he changes his circumstances. It doesn't say that suddenly somebody comes and rides to his rescue. But through his circumstances, the Lord is there with him. And when the Lord is with us, he can transform us. He can transform our minds, transform the way that we think, and transform our hearts in a way that helps us to rise above our circumstances. <clears throat> in Romans 8, we read, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. See, we can't struggle with all our problems in our own strength, but when the Lord is with us, we can struggle through with him and we can overcome things in an amazing way. And Joseph does this. You know, He finds the strength from somewhere to say, even though I'm a slave, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best with my life and what's left of my life. And he does that. And he works hard and he pleases God and he pleases Potiphar. And Potiphar gives him a very senior job. So he comes through that phase in his life just by taking control of what he could. Someone asked a, a desert father, so one of the early monks who lived in the desert called Abra Antony, what one must do to please God. And he, he answered with three things. The first two are what we might expect. So he said, always listen to God and always obey his word. But the third one was, wherever you find yourself, do not leave easily. So don't quit too easily. Don't keep moving on. So sometimes when things are tough for us, we just have to work through a situation. When it's, 
an opportunity for us to draw close to God, develop our character, um, an opportunity for us to learn a lot about ourselves and to see if we can come through situations. I'm not saying never quit, because <laughs> that's not right either. You know what I mean? But don't just keep jumping from one thing to another and feel defeated too easily. Because in God's strength, um, he can help us through these things. And like I say, the time... It's interesting when it says the Lord was with Joseph, it says it a few times in Joseph's life. It's often when he was at his lowest point. It doesn't say when... Joseph was made ruler of all Egypt and God was with him. It's when he was a slave. It's, it's when uh, he was in prison and times like that, that Lord was with Joseph. So to draw on the Lord's strength and keep going is basically what this uh, desert monk was saying there. So the second thing is that resilient people stay true to their values. So when Joseph was probably extremely tempted when Potiphar's wife uh, tries to seduce him, he could have quite easily thought... I'm a slave, I'm never going to have a wife of my own, I'm never really going to have a life of my own, uh, so maybe I should just take what happiness I can get. But he doesn't. He knows that Potiphar has put trust in him, he knows that God is with him, and instead he rejects her, and he shows loyalty both to God and to Potiphar. Interestingly, C.S. Lewis wrote that we might think that we're most vulnerable to temptation when... Our lives are on a high when we feel strong, when we feel good, when we're young. But actually we're at our most vulnerable to sin and temptation when we're at our lowest point in our lives. So it's when we're at our lowest that we're most easily tempted to do wrong. We might see that, might we, just in a simple way that if we are going through a real struggle, we get short-tempered, we take it out on other people, we do, we're just not behaving in the way that we should do because we're at that low point. So we need to be very careful that we are, when we are going through trials that we're not tempted to sin as a quick way out or a release from the frustrations that, that we're feeling. See, if, if Joseph had given in to Potiphar's wife's seduction, he would have betrayed people and he probably would have never have reached his destiny. But instead he rejects her and he runs towards God. Um, and he might expect that by running towards God that God would relieve him of his circumstances. He's done the right thing. We think that sometimes, I'm doing the right thing. Why, why, why are things not changing? Why are things not getting better? But instead, Potiphar's wife frames him, and for doing the right thing, he ends up in prison. Um, but again, we're told that the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He doesn't spare in prison, and he often doesn't spare us circumstances when we're going through trials. But in the midst of our trials, it's important that we do keep true to our values and we keep running towards God. <clears throat> in Habakkuk, the prophet, he writes a prayer and he says this. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the field produces no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, so everything's pretty bad basically, there is nothing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So staying true to our values, staying close to God, is what we must do through all the trials that come our way if we want to show that resilience and that ability to get through. Just trusting in him, patiently waiting on him, waiting and being patient is such an important factor 
and, and trusting that he's working perfectly in your life. And the story may take a long time to resolve uh, and um, it may not even be in this life, might be in the next life, but God is always working for our best interests. And the third thing is that resilient people find meaning and purpose in the middle of the storm. So we see that clearly, don't we, with somebody like Nelson Mandela. He had a purpose. You know, he had this vision, like you said, Robert, you know, this clear vision of what he, what he was fighting for, why it was worth it, even though he's given up 27 years of his, of his own life. And when Joseph was in prison, he didn't lose sight of trying to um, keep hold of having some purpose in his life. He actually took an interest which leads to the next chapter in his life, he took an interest in, in his fellow cellmates. He's obviously a natural leader because he'd actually been put in charge of other prisoners, <laughs> even though he's a prisoner himself. So obviously came across, um, and God did that for him. You know, he found favour with the chief jailer, we're told. But he takes interest in his fellow prisoners, and he asks them, why are you so sad today? Why are your faces so downcast? Another thing that we can do when they're in the middle of our own struggles is become so self-absorbed that we can't think about anybody else. Um, and again, there's a message here for us that we just need to be very careful because that's a very dangerous thing when we become self-absorbed and we can't think about others. As difficult as it might be, it helps us because, again, we're staying true to our values. We're finding meaning and purpose more in helping other people sometimes than helping ourselves. And Joseph does that. He treats these prisoners with love and respect in the way that Jesus would have done. We're just looking in, in the book of James, in chapter 1 we read, and this is challenging. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So this is really tough, isn't it? But it's also really helpful because if we can start to frame our difficulties in a different way and to think of them in a positive way, that through them we learn something, that it's forging us, it's God working. We ask God to change us, don't we? Make us more like Jesus. Well, sometimes we need to go through the trials for that to happen. So was Joseph suffering used by God to help develop his character I don't think we know really. Um, we don't know whether whether that was God working in that in that well. We know that God was transforming his character, but we don't know whether God deliberately put these trials in front of him. I, I don't think God necessarily works that way, but he does use trials to change you. But what we do see with Joseph is that he went from this spoiled boy, you know, his brothers hated his guts, but it was because partly he kept rubbing the nose in it about how great he, he was and how they were all going to bow down to him and things like that. So so Joseph probably had very significant things in his character that we can see change through his story because he does turn into this compassionate uh, compassionate ruler and has a great love for his brothers despite what they did to him further on in the story. Um, so God can use trials, whatever they are, whether they're a result of a fallen world or they are sent to test us in any way. But whatever they are, they can bring us into a deeper relationship with him. So just picking back up on the story anyway. The butler tells Joseph his dream about a vine and grapes. And Joseph tells him that within three days, um, <clears throat> that Pharaoh will lift up his head and restore him to office. So the baker is the other guy in the story, and he's listening to this, and he thinks, oh, that's good. 
I could do with a bit of that. I'll tell, I'll tell him what dream I had. So he says, um, I've had this dream about birds and cakes. And Joseph says to him, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you, take it off, and hang you on a pole. <laughs> so, um, so the baker thinks, I'm not telling you any more of my dreams. Um, but Joseph is assured by the butler that he'll put in this good word for him and that'll get him released. But the weeks, the months, and eventually two years go by, and he's not released. I and mean, just imagine how you must feel, you know, two years in prison when somebody's supposed to be putting a good word in for you and getting out. So he shows true resilience again, and eventually his story is a good news story. He goes on, the butler finally remembers that he did the, he interpreted his dream, he tells Pharaoh, and he goes on to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, and um, Pharaoh makes him the ruler of all Egypt. And then obviously the story goes on about how he gets reconciled back with his, his dad and, and, and his brothers. And to his brothers, when he meets back with them towards the end of the story, he says <coughs> to them, even though you intended to do me harm, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he's doing today. And Joseph never doubted that God was working in his life. He could see through all these ups and downs that God was there. He knew he needed to be patient. He knew that he needed to deal with the trials that he had at different points with God in his life, and he did that. And of course, the story of Joseph reminds us of the story of Jesus. So Jesus, too, wore a robe, one that was given to him to mock him when he was being mocked as the king of the Jews, and that robe, too, was taken away from him. Jesus had a life fraught with difficulty, with rejection, with betrayal, a life that was ended in the cruelest of ways on that cross. But of course that wasn't the end of Jesus' story. And on the third day he rose again and sin and death were conquered forever. And it's the ultimate story of resilience, the ultimate story of good news. That means that our lives, 2,000 years later, are transformed forever. And for us who follow him, whatever we're going through, we can always draw on his strength to see us through. In the same way that God was with Joseph in every trial he had in his life, and Jesus is with us. And that's wonderful news, isn't it? Let's just be grateful to our Saviour for that and hope that he's with us and know that he's with us in every situation that we find ourselves in. Just keep drawing on his strength. Shall we pray? Dear Father, we just thank you for your love to us. We thank you that whatever trials we're faced with, health issues, money worries, um, relationship issues, whatever they are, Lord, we know that you can work wonders within them. We know that you can work to transform us and to use those situations to bring us closer to you, to learn more about ourselves, to, to learn more about the people that you want us to be. So help us always to draw close to you, Lord. Help us never to give up to know that we need to be patient, we need to wait for the story to come to its end, knowing, Lord, that as long as we are with you and have you with us, then we should rejoice, we can be glad, because we know that we are safe in your loving arms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now we're going to sing again.